0: Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with him. We believe that we are meant to do life in community. If you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes. And a special shout out to Alder Grove CLCC. You know, I think it's just a tremendous thing that we can be involved in Christian community. Uh, It's it's amazing that we get to walk this life of faith, not not alone, but in the company of other believers who we can love and share with and work with. I think that the Lord has always been interested in creating a community of faith, a faith-based group of people belonging to him. And I think uh, Abraham, had it just about right and and because of his faithful relationship with god he god had promised him to be part of this larger community that that his offspring would populate the whole world the whole world would be blessed through him and that he would eventually have a homeland for his people but you know as you follow the story of abraham isaac and jacob and on and on and on they get to this point where for 400 years they're in the they're in Egypt as slaves and and you wonder how is God going to work this out how is God going to cause this group of people who for 400 years are in an Egyptian dynasty how is he going to form them into being the people of God and you have to remember that during this time of captivity in Egypt Uh, they didn't have the law because the law had not been given to them yet. They didn't have a tabernacle. They didn't have a temple. They didn't have any specific place to worship. In fact, most of the the, the religious responsibilities that we see l- later developed after the wilderness experiences and into the promised land, they weren't even there. So basically, there were this group of people who were slaves in Egypt who had a historical remem- memory of Abraham, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but not much else to tie them together. And then when that group comes out of Egypt through the Exodus, not only do you have these people who have genetically been related to Abraham, but we know that a lot of Egyptian slaves came out with them. And, and this is the group of people that God had to shape into becoming the people of God. And, and, and Moses comes to the rescue, and, and there's this tremendous story of deliverance, but then this uh, long story of how God shapes them into being the people of God. Think for a moment of some of the themes in the Exodus story. Uh, remember how God reveals his name at the very beginning of the Exodus story. Remember Moses in the burning bush and, and Moses saying, yeah, it's all fine and good. You're asking me to do this big thing, but who shall I say sent me? Who, what's your name? And God says, uh, tell them that it's I am the I am. And we get that name Yahweh from that. And then remember how there were a number of miracles uh, in order to convince Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. You know, miracles like turning the, the Nile River into blood and, a, and a kind of like a plague of frogs and locusts and all these kinds of things. And then the ultimate miracle was the, a lamb was killed and the blood was put on the doorposts so that the death angel passed over the Israelites and, and uh, the Israelites' children were spared. And uh, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And Pharaoh let the children of Israel go. And then they're in the wilderness, and, and God basically says to them, you know what, Moses, uh, we need to get some things straight. And so Moses goes up Mount Sinai and receives uh, the law, the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. And he comes down from the mountain and and, kind of this is the beginning of the law, the beginning of the Torah, the beginning of, of these commandments, which help to shape the people into becoming the people of God. Uh, Then dietary laws were established. uh, Circumcision was established. All these kinds of of unique things that that really made the people of God uh, look like the people of God and act like the people of God. And then the Lord, after they had been given the law, he he told them that he was going to live with them. He was going to uh, have them set up a tent or a tabernacle, and he would he would abide with them as they traveled through the wilderness. And, and there was this promise that they would get into the promised land. Well, our text is found in Galatians chapter three, verse 29 to chapter four, seven. And what we're going to read about is how the people of God today, instead of being shaped through the law, through the Torah, as the children of Israel being shaped, we're going to find out the children of, of, uh, of God today, the people of God today, are being shaped by the Spirit. Now listen to what the Word says, 3.29-4.7, to 47, the book of Galatians. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir... Is underage, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, there is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption. To sonship because you're his sons God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out Abba father so you are no longer a slave but God's child and since you are his child God has made you also an heir let's pause and and pray father I pray that you would help us to understand how your spirit at works is at work in us shaping us to be your people we thank you, Father, that uh, as Galatian reminds us, we don't depend on the law, the, the Torah, in order to shape us, in order to guide us, to mold us into being your people. But rather, your Spirit lives in us, and he's so present in us, he's so real to us, he's so intimate and connected to us that he cries out, Abba, Father daddy. So thank you, Father, for this. Help us, Lord, then to engage with your spirit, cooperate with your spirit as you want to shape us into being the people of God. So Paul here is explaining that the Galatian Gentiles have all the benefits of the genetic heirs of Abraham, plus something incredibly more important and incredibly better. You see, while the genetic heirs offspring of Abraham uh, had the law in order to guide them, the people of God today have the Spirit. At the end of chapter 3, we it, the apostle explains that we have been clothed with christ and he's talking about water baptism the the imagery of going down in the water and coming out of the water we have been clothed with christ through salvation this is what it means in other words uh christ has covered us we have become one with him we have been made one with jesus and and jesus the best Jew ever, the very son of God. It means that that we have somehow become part of him and he has become part of us. And therefore, we have become heir to the promises of God to his son. Not only the promises of God to Abraham, but the promises of God to Abraham's heir. Now, in chapter 3, verse 16, to goes to some length to explain to us that when Scripture talks about Abraham's heir, he was really ultimately referring to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So when we become heirs of Abraham, and we are linked with Jesus, then we become heir to all that the Father had intended for the Son. And if you read back in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, it tells us that Jesus Christ is heir to all things. That only makes sense because he's the Son of the Father. And so the Father has put it in is putting all things into his hands, and because we are linked to Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, because of our connection to him, because we have put him on and he lives within us, so do we become heirs to all of the promises of God intended for Jesus. Wow, that's incredible when you think about it. Paul goes on to say that in the end of chapter 3, that because of this, all racial and gender barriers no longer apply we are all like sons of abraham or sons of god or we are all uh, linked to jesus christ the law was important it was important as a temporary provision to shape the people of god while waiting for the messiah And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying when he talks about uh, uh, a child having a guardian or a trustee. He's referring about to the law being kind of like a guardian, kind of like God saying to to the people of God, you want to know how to behave. Uh, The law will help shape you into becoming kind of people who who know who I am, who follow my kind of character in the ways that you live and interact with one another and the way that you worship. Uh, back in the first century, both in Roman culture and in Jewish culture, there was a coming-of-age kind of ceremony, which distinguished between childhood and adulthood. In Roman culture, uh, the Roman child wore a toga pretexta, um, a kind of outfit uh, that children wore, and when they came of age, somewhere between the ages of 13 and 17, they took off the toga pretexta, and they put on the toga virilis and the toga virilis was the uh what the outfit that adult romans wore and uh, when the child uh, took on that uh, new outfit the boys would hand over a toy ball and the girls would hand over a toy doll as a symbol of leaving childhood behind and becoming adults and of course in jewish culture we've heard some at least a little bit about uh, children coming of age and and the bar mitzvah this this moment in time where the child around 12 or 13 years of age uh, begins to realize that they're responsible for obeying the law they're responsible for the relationship with God no longer are they simply under the supervision of their parents and the Apostle Paul is making this analogy he's saying that that for a time the law was like a guardian to children it helped to shape them <laughs> think of uh, the sound of music and Julia Andrews and and uh, remember the story the pre-war story of her uh, guiding the children and and uh, you know take out the song and the dance that's basically what she was doing she was acting as a guardian to the children a supervisor to the children until they could grow up but our scripture tells us that when the time had fully come God sent his son born of a woman born under law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of Son. That's verse 5 of chapter 4. Now, this is where the backstory of Exodus comes full circle, and it's important to remember this. Paul wants us to see the gospel in light of the Exodus, especially in light of the role of the law in the Exodus versus the role of the Spirit in the church today or the people of God today. In the New Exodus, the slavery is not to the Egyptians, but to the basic basic principles of this world. We see this in chapter 4, verse 3c. The basic principles of this world are pagan gods, who who Paul refers to uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek as the no gods he, he won't he won't even uh, distinguish them by calling them anything specific he says basically all of those idols all of those images all of those things that the pagans worship they're 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 not even gods they're they're not even worthy of a name they're no gods and we see this in verse eight a little later in the chapter or he could be referring to the celestial objects, the, the, the stars, the sun, the moon, the, uh, the things that the people in the, in the pagan world believed controlled their destiny. Or he could be talking about cultural beliefs that, that set standards about how people would behave. And so the Apostle Paul is basically saying, well, while previously you weren't in slavery like the Israelites to Egypt. You were in slavery to these spiritual forces at play in the world today. And notice as well, in in the Exodus story, both the first Exodus and the next Exodus, the the last Exodus, a new name is given for God, or God's name is expanded. While the name for God in the first Exodus is Yahweh, the name that we identify God with today is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We see this in chapter 4, verse 6, where we have this Trinitarian idea of, of God being Father, Son, and Spirit together now the hero of the first exodus was moses the hero of the second exodus of course is jesus and, and notice well keep in mind that there were just as there were miracles that preceded the first exodus remember the uh, uh turning to blood and the, the plague of frogs so there are miracles before the great miracle of the crucifixion and resurrection and so jesus performed miracles and instead of a lamb uh, dying and the blood being applied to the doorposts in the second exodus the exodus that we've experienced through salvation the exodus which has been superintended by the holy spirit we have the blood of the new lamb remember the apostle or, or john the baptizer seeing jesus said that he was the lamb of god this blood has been applied to our hearts And instead of the law given on Mount Sinai, the Holy Spirit is given to the people of God. And the Spirit is infinitely better in shaping the people of God than the law. Because the law was external to them, but the Spirit is internal to us. He guides us, he leads us from the inside out. Uh, the, the problem of the human condition, the problem of our sinfulness could never really be fixed with an outside influence by the law. In fact, in fact, the law, is, as Paul will argue later in the book of Galatians, uh, really helps to make us understand how bad we really are, but it doesn't really help to make us any better. And instead of God living in a tent, as in the first Exodus, remember he tabernacled with them, he lived in the tent, instead of that... God has decided to live in our hearts. And we see that in verse 6 of chapter 4. And because he's living in our hearts, the Spirit calls out, Abba, Father. Now, uh, this phrase, Abba, Father, comes from Mark chapter 14, verse 36, when Jesus was in Gethsemane, and he was praying about the Father's will and asking the cup to be passed from him. And he called out to God. He called God, Abba, Father, or Abba is a aramaic term of endearment which you've probably heard before it means dad or daddy it's an it's a more intimate familial kind of term and it's a term that the the jews um would never have used for god the father they rarely called god the father father but they would certainly never call god the father daddy uh, because it was too intimate. It was too personal. It it would, it would be this perception of, of God being too close. It, it just wasn't comfortable in the Jewish context to think of God in those terms. But here, since the spirit has come to us through salvation, the spirit inside of us calls out to God in an intimate way, father, daddy. I remember as a, as a young man having, having our boys and, uh, the the joy in my heart when they first learned to say daddy and they called out to daddy and and i remember myself calling out to my dad uh, you know a term of endearment maybe was in trouble or i had a question and and my dad passed away a number of years ago and and i really miss having that uh, relationship with dad with with my father but here we have the holy spirit who lives in us who calls out to god on our behalf daddy come and help no matter what circumstance we may be in. We could be going through a really good time and it's good news when we call out to dad or we could be coming, going through a bad time and and perhaps we're even angry with what's happening in our lives and, and the spirit calls out in the same way, dad, come and help. This in fact becomes an, an assurance of salvation. The fact that the Holy Spirit is present with us, that the Holy Spirit um, uh talks to the father the holy we can sense the holy spirit uh, speaking to and through us to the father in spite of our imperfect ways he continues to call out through our hearts dad dad help 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 me in my time of need now notice as well then instead of journeying towards a promised land as in the first exodus the people of god today live in the kingdom of god the kingdom of God is now a t- Today, it's a, it's a spiritual place that we live in with a new new kinds of of uh, order, of of rules, and a new system of belief and belonging and behaving. Uh, notice that uh, we are heirs, uh, heirs not of a geographical place like, like the, ex- the first Exodus people were looking forward to a geographical place, Canaan. But we're looking for a new land. We're looking for a new heaven. We're looking for a new earth which is promised to us. And all of these things are, of course, because of Jesus Christ. In verse 6, it says, Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And you wouldn't notice this when you're reading it in English, but this you here is plural. So he's talking to the community. Because you all are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. But then in verse 7, he says this. So you are no longer a slave. And here, what we wouldn't notice in English is the you is singular. In other words, what, what Paul is saying to us is that we all are sons of god sons of god because we are the heirs because of 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 god through jesus christ because we have been clothed with christ we've become one with christ that's good news for everybody but hey listen specifically you yes even you are no longer a slave in case you think that he's referring to someone else in the crowd, in case you think he's referring to someone else in Galatia, or someone else in the church today. No, you, you, you are no longer a slave. You have been set free. The Spirit lives in you. The Spirit calls out, Abba, Father. The Spirit then shapes you into becoming a person of God. I think we need to be reminded of this. I think that all of us have an insatiable need to almost daily be reminded of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and that we have been clothed with Christ. We have escaped the slavery of the no gods. The Holy Spirit lives in us today, shaping us. And not only that, he calls out Abba, Dad, Father, Daddy, in spite of our circumstances. In all of this, we're heirs as well to the promises of God, which really indicates to us that there are better days ahead, that that God has great things in store for us, not only in this life, but in the life to come. The Spirit is at work with us. You know, in, in 1 John, the Apostle John is interested in giving us several tests to assure us that we're children of God. You know, when, when we're going through life and we're wondering, am I really saved? I, am I really a person of faith? Am I really part of the kingdom of God? Am I really going to have, go to heaven? Am I, am I really those things that, that uh, I, the scripture says I am? In Christ, and he gives us several tests. He says, "Well, if you confess our sins, uh, then you know in that confession that you're children of God." He talks about if you obey his commands—commands to love God, love your neighbor. If you don't love the world, is another test. If you know the truth, it's another test. If you love one another, another test. But I think here in Galatians, we we see a hint of another test, another assurance, another way of knowing that we're the children of God. And it's when the Spirit calls out. Abba, Father. When was the last time you engaged? When was the last time uh, you dug down deep and, and sensed the spirit in your life calling out to God, Abba, Father? You know, the opportunity for this to happen is when we engage in worship. I, I think this is so important. And and, and I've noticed that sometimes uh, during our worship times, uh, we we are listening, but we're really not engaged. We really haven't dug down deep. We really haven't focused on what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us and then the spirit's response to the Father through that. And I would like you to take an opportunity to do that. Uh, at uh, in Aldergrove CLCC we're going to pause and we're going to have some worship together and I want you to really dig deep as we worship and allow th- be in touch with the Holy Spirit as he he speaks through you and speaks to you and reassures you again and again and again that you are a child of God, that you are being shaped by the Spirit. And I encourage all of us in our prayer times, in our private times, in our private worship, it may be when we are in the car and listening to worship music or sitting in our Chesterfield at home reading the Bible and praying and worshiping or whatever, whatever way we do that, I really encourage you to dig deep. I really encourage you to engage in worship, because this is the way that we're reminded of the Spirit's presence in our lives, and we allow the Spirit to call out to God the Father, uh, no matter what our circumstances might be. Let's pray together. So Father, thank you for this reminder about who we are, for uh, Lord, we're thank, thankful that we're not like the uh, people of the first exodus who, who merely rely on the law to shape them, who, who merely live you know, uh, in tent and camp and, and you're in the tabernacle and they're set up in tents outside, but you have come to live with us. You live inside of us. So I wanna thank you for that. We thank you that your spirit assures us of your presence. We thank you that your spirit speaks in us and through us to the Father. Help us, Lord, uh, to engage with that, to, to really dig down deep and listen to the spirit in our lives and focus on the spirit speaking to us. Allow you to shape our lives through our worship, through our repentance, through our being in community. We thank you that you, you love community. You love to belong. You are for us to belong to you and you belong to us. We thank you for the joy, the delight of being together and to worship together and to know that you are at work in us. So thank you, Father, for all these things that you're doing with us in and through us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School, Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Our Abbotsford campus has two services each Sunday, 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at clcc.ca. See you next time.